Yo, man, it's been a minute. Oh, man, I am back. Man, people be tripping. They thought Christine and I uh, were gone already. They thought we left, that we church planted or we moved away or something. But we here, we here, we alive. We live in Canada, but we still here. Um, man, I'm excited about chopping up today's message. Man, um, I've been praying about this message, and I've lost sleep because of this message, and I am just excited Um, of what God is going to say to our church in the board through Philippians. And I just want to thank Adam and Tori who've been faithfully preaching and leading us. Man, every single Sunday morning, Isaiah wakes up and he's like, I'm my appa, which means dad and mom, mom and dad. He goes, I'm my appa, are you going to church school? Are you going to church school? And then we'll be turning on and he'll look at all the faces that he sees and he'll be like, Uncle Tori, Uncle Tori, he threw me like a helicopter. Because I don't know if you knew, but Tori threw my son high in the sky. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I mean, we are here and man, with conviction and passion, I'm honored to share God's word. And the more as a team that we reflected on Philippians, the more we understanding that we are understanding the sovereignty of God, that there is no accident that we are here in this chapter, that there is no accident that God has a divine appointment for us as a body to begin to wrestle with and to be convicted, to be challenged, and to apply to our lives today. So that is my prayer. That is my prayer, that we wrestle with Paul's letter, that you let the truth speak over your life. And that is the direction I want to head today. Because here's the thing, with everything going on in this nation from a pandemic and feeling the emotion of isolation, depression, uncertainty, and fear, to social injustice in the lives of our black brothers and sisters and dealing with racism, fear, guilt, confusion, and anger, how do we as Christians respond? What do we have hope in? In a world that we live in where it's so hard to experience the hope in God, how do we as Christians begin to see hope and live hope? Because here's the thing. If Christians all over, all over the world would listen to the words of Apostle Paul has for us today, our world would look different. And my prayer and hope is that we begin to hear that call for us as Tori wonderfully put in the pre-sermon <laughs> that we would shine as light. So that's my three points today. I'm going to go in. We're going to chop it up. It's the command, the example, and the call. The command, the example, and the call. So let's turn to Scripture. If you guys have your Bibles with you, go and get your Bibles. I ain't going to lie. When Tori says, go and get your Bible, sometimes I'll be on the couch and I'll be lazy. And I'm like, I ain't getting my Bible when I get my phone out. Uh, but yeah, go and pause the video and get your, get your Bibles. Um, but yeah, let's go ahead and let's turn to Philippians chapter 2, 12 through 18. And where my good friend Vicky is going to read uh, the passage. Vicky. Hi, old family. I miss you all very dearly. If you don't know who I am, my name is Vicki and I am a covenant member of The Well as well as one of the college CG shepherds of the Waller Creek Community Group. Today I will be reading Philippians chapter 2 verses 12 through 18 in Korean. 지금 내가 없을 때도 두렵고 떨리는 마음으로 여러분의 구원을 이루십시오. 
여러분 안에서 하느님의 기쁘신 뜻에 따라 결단하게 하시고 행동하게 하시는 분은 하느님이시기 때문입니다. 무슨 일을 하든지 여러분은 불평이나 분쟁 없이 하십시오. 이는 여러분이 흠없고 순전한 사람들이 돼 뒤틀리고 타락한 세대 가운데서 책망받을 것이 없는 하느님의 자녀들로서 세상에서 하늘의 별들처럼 빛나게 하려는 것입니다. 생명의 말씀을 꼭 붙들어 그리스도의 날에 내게 자랑이 되게 하십시오. 이는 내가 헛되이 다른지라거나 헛되이 수고한 것이 아니기 때문입니다. 이제 내가 여러분의 마음에 제사와 예배에 내 피를 붓는 일이 있을지라도 나는 기뻐하고 여러분 모두와 함께 기뻐할 것입니다. 여러분도 함께 기뻐하고 나와 함께 기뻐하십시오. This is the word of the Lord. Man, thanks, Vicky. Man, y'all knew I had to get some Korean up in here. Uh, we be singing in Spanish. Uh, we have a preacher that be preaching in Ebonics. And I got to get some Korean up in here. So thank you, Vicky, for taking that time to read in Korean. Uh, man, that's my first point, though, is this. We're going to chop up verses 12 through 13 in the command. So I'm going to read this just one more time in English. It says, therefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, it says, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, it says what? Work out your salvation. And then it says, with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Now, here's the thing. Some of us might be a little confused by the language here, because it may sound like Paul is saying that we have to what, work towards salvation. And that is not what Paul is saying here. He's saying that we need to work on our salvation. And there's a distinction and clarity, right? He lays out the work of Jesus in the first half of this chapter to really begin. So what is Paul doing? He's beginning this section with a very big therefore. And as Adam preached wonderfully last week, Paul is saying because of the promise, the promise that we have the fact that Jesus would come down in all humility, that he would give up all things for us, that it's Christ who humbled himself to come into this world, that he would come into the brokenness of this world and become a man to die on the cross for sin, to resurrect, conquering death and once and for all, that he is exalted above all names because of what Jesus did on the cross. And what Paul is saying is that if you believe, if you believe in Jesus, that now you are justified, that you are made righteous. And what he's saying here in this, therefore, is that you now have a new life. He's saying, because Christ has already justified you on the cross and salvation is yours, he's saying, now work out that out into your heart. And notice Paul's not saying, again, that we're working towards our salvation, but he's saying work on our salvation. What does that mean? And that means letting the gospel penetrate your heart. Letting the gospel of Jesus shine in the deep crevices of darkness that you're hiding in your heart that you are scared to even open up to see for yourself. And working that out with fear and trembling. Knowing that the sin leads to destruction, but being reminded that sin is why our Jesus died. And that we have salvation through his blood. Because the cross that we don't live in bondage of sin. Do you believe in that truth? Mm. 
that you no longer live with sin conquering you, but there's freedom that says, I am yours. And that's what it means to live out your faith in fear and trembling. It's an awestruck wonder of God who's at work in you, that God who's utterly holy, who's working in you. Do you see that in your life? Are you willing to go into the depths of sin that you don't want to admit and say, God, take this? To see his glory and majesty and be captured by it. To let it work out. Letting it confront the sin that is in your heart. Letting it confront your family history. Bringing out baggage of racism that resides in your heart. The spirit of God is at work in your life. Is the gospel working in your life? And he says again, you now need to, therefore, my beloved, be different. You have been given a new life. That we may now receive the call to live different. That we are a new creation. That we now can live for something and someone greater than ourselves. Because it's the greatest act of humility that Jesus would go to the cross. That Paul begins to say, therefore now, my beloved, be different. His call is not to be idle. So often, Christians want to be idle. That's good, John. If Jesus would give up his life so that we receive new life, what are you doing with it? Are you letting it squander away or are you letting the gospel work? Because here's the thing. Paul is not saying that this is just an internal thing that you do for yourself. He's not saying that. The whole premise of this chapter is what? To serve the community. Paul always had an eye towards the bigger picture, which is the community around him. It's one that worked itself out to community in Philippi and the world around them. But the question we must ask is, but how? How do we get there? Verse 13, for it is God who works in you to will and to work for his good purpose. Now, Paul is saying, how now do we follow this command to live different? Paul says, don't you see? It's God who works in you in submitting to his will. He's not asking us to try, he's saying that we need to rely. Wow, 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 wow. That's good. That rhyme, I don't know if I did that on purpose, but <laughs> I like that. But what is he saying? He's saying that we need to lean into God. We say, God, help me in my unbelief. And then it's okay that you have sin in your heart, but the, the cry of Christianity and the cry of the gospel says that, God, will you help me in my unbelief? Help me in my misunderstanding. Help me to see the light in this pain and darkness. Help me to see the hope that I can't see. How do we live a new life? We continually leaning on him that that we would posture ourselves to lean into his truth. And that's what he's saying. And it's so simple because what does he say? It says, for it is God who works in you. The more control we give up, the more secure grasp of God we feel. Are you living in your own insecurity or are you living in the hand of God? And when we do that, we live for God who is greater than us. He, he begins to make us shine like light in the world. That's what Paul breaks down. And he does it by giving us two examples. So I'm going to um, skip 14 through 18 right now, but um, we're going to jump into 19 to 30 and where my man... My man, uh, Reuben Lewis, is going to read for us. 
Hey, Well family, my name is Ruben Lewis. I'm a Covenant community member at The Well, and I also co-lead a college community group. Today, I will be reading from Philippians 2, verses 19 through 30. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven work. How is a son with the Father who has served me in the gospel? I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me, and I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. I have thought it necessary to send to you Aphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need, for he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him, not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work in Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. This is the word of the Lord. Man, thank you, Ruben, for reading that. I had to give a college ministry a shout out and use uh, the college leaders. Um, and man, thank you for doing that, man. Um, now, a lot of people will say that this is such a random part of Philippians. Mm-hmm. That here it is, like Paul's laying out the humility of Christ and what that looks like, and he's giving a huge command and all these things. And then all of a sudden, it seems like, oh, you know what? I'm going to update you in the middle of my letter. Usually, you would think that would be at the end or the beginning, but here, Paul's very intentional. It's very intentional. And he's talking about these things. What is Paul showing? He was showing tangibly how it looks to live different. Mm. He is showing how these two brothers were living out their salvation. How they were literally being lights. They're not living for themselves but for others. And as Tori preached a couple weeks ago, and he said that Paul is saying, what, to die is to gain for me, but for me to live is not for myself but to serve others. That both Timothy and Epaphroditus are living not for themselves, but to serve others. And we get two clear examples of this. First is Timothy, right? Verse 19.24, we see Timothy who was willing to make a long journey to go to Philippians. This wasn't just a, hey, let me get in my car and let me just ride and let's go to Philippians. No, this, this was a long, treacherous journey. And I don't think we quite understand and grasp what is happening here, because Paul is willing to send his best in Timothy, even though he could have used him in ministry he is serving, right? That Paul would send his dog, his homie, his friend to Philippi. Not literally dog. Some of you are Both understood that the expression of the gospel and building the kingdom is way more important than their own personal agendas. And that's the thing. Church, do we have the gospel and building the kingdom, is is it way more important than building our personal agendas? Think about this. That is why the well is ascending church. That is why we want to plant 100 churches in the U.S. and 100 churches internationally. And in, in my church residency, the well is willing to send the best to go plant with us in North Austin because that is going to push back darkness. So if you think you're the best... Holler at your boy. Because <laughs> we're about to push back darkness in the North Austin. <sighs> Thanks, Steph, for coming on here. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Let it convict you. <laughs> um, man, and that is why 
the well sent so many beloved people with Refuge Church to go plant in South Austin. Because we understand what it means to live not for ourselves, but for a kingdom to push back darkness. Think about this. In a lot of ways, it would be so much easier to build up leadership and build up pastors and hire people. But we understand the greater call is, a, is greater than the well itself. It's that the gospel of Jesus being proclaimed across the city, that darkness would be pushed back, and that people would come to light and see who Jesus is. The example is that we don't live for ourselves, but we live for that which is greater. And Timothy was willing to go. Paul is willing to send his best. And then we have the example that we have in Epaphroditus. I practiced his name so many times. It's like a tongue twister. But Epaphroditus, he was a man that was sent from the Philippians church to Paul to give him aid and to encourage his missional journey for Paul. And on that journey to Paul, Epaphroditus would risk his life because he became ill to the point of death. And that's what he says. That instead of staying with uh, Paul, but the, here's the thing, that even in his deathbed, he was eager to go back. Mm-hmm. That he would risk his life, even the journey being hard, that he would risk his life to go back to the church with this letter that we have in Philippians and encourage the body that he's risking his life to complete the work of the kingdom. Wow. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't live out my faith like this. Mm-hmm that I would risk my life to serve others. You see, the pastoral heart, as Paul is writing almost to say that if Epaphroditus were to pass away, that Paul would say, I would have died a little bit of myself. And there's a deep connection in the way that he loves to serve others. Both of them are living not for themselves, but they're living to serve others. That if you don't have sorrow with what is happening or if you don't enter the pain of people who are suffering and willing to risk your life for living for the kingdom, are you actually living? Do you have mercy? Do you love justice? Paul, Timothy, and Epaphroditus are not living for themselves, but living for that which is greater. And I don't know about you, but that is convicting to my heart. Because oftentimes I find myself living for myself and what is comfortable. But the call to be Christian is to stand for being in Christ, even if that means being uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. How many times does your faith make you uncomfortable? Mm -hmm. To the point of death, will you stand for the gospel? Mm -hmm. Do you live for yourself or do you understand the call that is greater, that because of Christ we are light and darkness? But what now? What now? So let's jump back into 1418, into the call. And it says this, Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the world of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be uh, proud that I did not run in vain and labor in vain, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering, Poured out one for the homies. (laughs) Upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. Likewise, that you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Man. So Paul starts this section with working out your salvation. And then says, it's God who works in you. And then I think if I were to be honest, it would make most sense if Paul all of a sudden would right now go and pray. 
go and pray. Go pray with zeal. Or if he would say, go and give with generosity. Go and read the Bible more. Go and fast. But what does he say? Paul writes, do things without grumbling or disputing. Why would he do that? Why would Paul all of a sudden write this? What was he alluding to? And it was a time of the Israelites in history where all the readers would have known instantly what grumbling and disputing was. He was referring to the Israelites in Deuteronomy who experienced the greatness of God, delivering them from the bondage of slavery, who would feed them with Chick-fil-A coming down from the sky. Because we all know that Chick-fil-A is manna. But here's the thing, here's the thing, right? And as the Israelites experienced the greatness of God delivering them from bondage, all they do is sit there and complain. Why? Why? Because the Israelites were not willing to live a life that was beyond themselves. They only saw their own comforts, their own agendas. That's why Paul says this. His command is that we live for others. And Paul says, do not live for yourself. He's saying that you have been given a new life. We now have a responsibility to radiate lightness and darkness. The greatest commandment does not say love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and then love yourself. What does it say? It says love the Lord your God and to love others. We're supposed to look like Jesus more. If you're pointing to yourself and you are pointing, uh, are you, or are you pointing to Jesus? And this is what Paul is saying. He's saying, church, be the church. Wake up. And then verse 14, what does he say? It says, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom, it says, you shine as lights in the world. Now, I want to stop here, right? Because I think so easily we can be like, all right, guys, go and be the light. Go and be the light. The world is darkness going, and that is true. But I think what Paul is really getting at here is not an active verb, but he's going as a command. It's an imperative. So a better translation is this. that It's not an option, but he's saying church. He says, you must shine as light of the world. You must shine as light in the world. Church. Do you hear the call that we are to be the light of the world? Do we constantly think about pushing back darkness in all of its ugliness that we are to be lights that shine? KB, who is um, Tori's favorite rapper of all time, <laughs> who he thinks is goat, uh, <laughs> um, posted something that was really profound this week in the light of all things. And I, many of us read this quote, but I want to read it again. It says this, how do I know if I have made an idol out of politics? And he says, when you see the war of racism as a battle of left versus right, and he says, instead, instead, of the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of darkness. Do you see what's at hand here? The church now more than ever needs to take the call of the church to be the light, to shine in darkness, to not let darkness and disunity and hate and evil reign, but stand firm in our faith that we say that we need Jesus, that we will point people to Jesus, that we will be like stars in the sky that will illuminate the sky and the darkness because we have King 
Jesus, that we will radiate his beauty in all that we do, that we won't sit here and be idle and think of ourselves grumbling and fighting, but that we will think of the one who completely emptied himself and lived for others. And now we get the freedom to live for something that is bigger than ourselves. Are you more concerned about your kingdom or are you more concerned about the kingdom, the eternal kingdom? The eternal kingdom. Do you receive the call here? Do you see the greatness of what Paul is saying here? Man, um, in one of the second best scene of Lord of the Rings, where I just always am moved to tears, um, this is what was happening. If you haven't gone and seen it, then you ain't... No, just kidding. <laughs> Go and see Lord of the Rings. Um, but there's this time where um, two of the main characters, Frodo and Sam, are discussing and they're talking and they're worn out and they're tired and they don't have hope and they can't see hope and all these different things. And uh, Frodo is talking to Sam, who is the true hero of that movie. I don't care what you say. Um, and this is, this is what Frodo says. He says this, I can't do this, Sam. And then Sam looks off on the distance and it's an awesome scene and he goes like this. He goes, I know it's all wrong. By rights, we shouldn't even be here, but we are here. It's like the great stories, Mr. Frodo, the ones that really mattered. Full of darkness and danger they were. And sometimes you didn't want to know the end. Because how could the end be happy? How could the world go back to the way it was when so much bad has happened? But in the end, it's only a passing thing, this shadow. Even darkness must pass. A new day will come. And when the sun shines, it will shine out the clearer. Those were the stories that stayed with you, that meant something. Even if you were too small to understand why, and he says this, but I think, Mr. Frodo, I do understand. I now know. Folk in those stories had lots of chances of turning back, but only they didn't because they were holding on to something. And Frodo says, what are we holding on to, Sam? Church, what are we holding on to. What are we holding on to? Because look at this. Verse 17, what does Paul say? He says, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, he says this, he says, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Even if I die, even if all my life to this point, everything that I do, all the apostleship that I've received, all the missionary journeys that i received, all those things, I will not count them as waste. He says, even if I die, he says, I am glad and rejoice with you all. What is Paul saying? He says, even if I poured out and die, right now it is good because I rejoice at the expelling of darkness for the kingdom of God. Paul is able to say this. Why? Because he ultimately knows that his life is secured what in the love of the one who overcame all hate, overcame all persecution, who was beaten, mocked, spat on, who was taken by the guards to be whipped and to hang on a tree naked to be displayed for all to see. To die in the hands of those he created. Mm -hmm. To die the death that we deserve. Mm -hmm. And to be buried in a tomb. God who would enter into humanity to die for our sin. And here, and here, here's the thing. When his followers saw the cross and they felt like there was no hope. Mm -hmm. 
where they felt like what I started with, isolation, depression, uncertainty, fear, Mm -hmm. guilt, confusion, Mm -hmm. and anger. Mm -hmm. The sun will rise. The sun will rise. Because on the third day, in all of this beauty and majesty, what happened? Jesus resurrected from the dead. And that's the good news, that Jesus is alive, that we would shine and the gospel would rub against what? Darkness once and for all. That now we get to live in the freedom to shine that light to the world. Brothers and sisters, if you are pushing back darkness and you're getting opposition, aren't you living the Christian life? Because isn't that what Christ has done for us? That he literally would push back. Church, do you believe in the resurrection? Church, do we shine that light for the world to see? The world needs more than ever for the church to be the church. For us to stand, even if it's uncomfortable, to have conversations that we need to have with our family, with our friends, willing to push back darkness and point everyone to the everlasting light in Christ. That we will shine and reflect in all that we do. That there is hope that the sun rised. And now we get to live in him for eternity. Church, be the church. Receive this call. Have conversations that are difficult. Man, I have to repent so much this, this, this week and even this month in a lot of ways. In a lot of ways how um, racism has crept up into my heart. Oh, I didn't even know that these things that I'm dealing with, and I had to give them to God and say, God, would you reveal these things in my heart? I've had to have conversations with family members and people who are, who are uncomfortable, but knowing, knowing that now our call is to be the light. Not an option, but that we must be the light. Because we have the ever-present light that is in Christ Jesus. Let's live our lives being the light. Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you, O Lord, that in this difficult time where it's hard to see hope, where we may feel emotions of isolation, depression, uncertainty, fear, guilt, confusion, anger, or we're just weary and tired. That you would make the resurrection so much more real in our hearts and our lives. Mm -hmm. That as Paul is calling the church in Philippians to live a life that is beyond themselves, that we ourselves would live for a better and greater cause. That the churches would be united across the world Mm -hmm. to stand for the internal beauty of the gospel. Mm -hmm. That Jesus would be known because Christians are not scared and we do not no longer want to hide, but that we want to radiate the beauty of Jesus in all things. Father, give us boldness. Give us boldness. We thank you for Jesus. We love you. And we pray all this in your son's name. Amen.